listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. All right, welcome back to our show today. Today we have a, a really special guest that I'm particularly excited about, somebody I've, I've really looked up to and admired for quite some time. Gino Barbaro with his partner, Jake Stinziano, started Jake and Gino, also ran Capital, ran Partners. They're huge players in the multifamily space, and they've also written a couple books, Wheelbarrow Profits, which was great, and, and Honeybee, which was great as well. Super excited to have them to the show. So, Gino, welcome. Sterling, thanks for having me on. How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. So, the, f- the first question we typically ask our guests when we have them on the show is, is just, why should we listen to you? Can you give like kind of a, a brief headline of what you've accomplished in the real estate investing realm to, to kind of show our guests you know, why you're such an expert on the subject? Well, I'll tell you personally, and then I'll go professionally. I am a father of six children, ages 20 to five. We homeschool our six kids. Oh, wow. So right there, you can make a judgment to whether I'm a make it happen kind of person and not. I I think my wife tends to make it happen more than me, but hey, that means I chose a good team member. You know what I'm saying? So without the wife. So that's start out. I started the entrepreneur journey when I was 24 years old out of college. I've been making payroll for the last 25 years. Got out of the restaurant business in March of 2016. Jumping around with all the dates here. In March of two, in February of 2013, I bought my first property with Jake. In five years, we accumulated 1,000 units without syndication. It was just me, Jake, and my partner, Mike. Last year in November, we bought our first syndication. We've had three syndications since. We have a total of 1,600 units. We created Jake and Gino, we've created Rand Capital, we've created Rand Partners, we have Rand Property Management, so we're multifaceted and we're vertically integrated. So that gives you just a quick synopsis of what we've been up to, and without having amazing team members or having people, systems, and processes up in place, never would have happened, because I had one restaurant for 20-something years, and I have 1,600 units in five or six years in real estate. So I guess that's the short of it. That's awesome. Your accomplishments are truly impressive. And before we, we move on to our next question, I just wanted to give a little personal testimony to, to my experience with Jake and Gino and, and you know what they've meant to me. So I first heard of you guys when I first got into real estate investing a couple of years ago. I was on a jog and I was listening to Bigger Pockets podcast and I heard mm-hmm. y'all's interview and I, I actually skipped it. Because I said, these guys are so far out of my, I was saving up money for the first down payment on my first $60,000 house. And y'all were talking about your thousand units. I said, that's so far out of my realm of possibilities. Like I I don't even have the capacity to listen to that right now. Well, fast forward a year and a half, I had, you know, I got my hands on 26 properties, mostly small multifamily. And I was looking to take it to the next level and move into the, you know, larger multifamily. So I started researching seminars and conferences I could go to and you guys popped up. It was between you and, and some other kind of hype guy that I'm not going to name, but I, I saw their, their advertisement. He was like, he was wearing a pinstripe suit with his Gucci shades in front of the mansion with, <laughs> with his fancy cars. And then I saw you and you and Jake's picture in front of your pizza sign. You had like a collared shirt. I said, these seem like some down to earth guys that are probably uh-huh. a little more my style. So I signed up, me and my wife signed up to go to the Wheelbarrow Profits training. I think Cole Hatter was the teacher. Yes. And immediately after signing up, Josh Rusin called me yes. just to, to get to know me, introduce himself. And I just, I want to give a shout out to Josh. He's done a phenomenal job throughout, you know, the whole process of the community building. When we went there, you know, he immediately you know, called me and got to know my business and what I was looking for. 
friended me on Facebook, spent a, a tremendous amount of time at the training talking to me about, you know, my goals and where I was going. And then the, the second day of the training, my wife woke up sick and we had, we were traveling with an infant, so we couldn't go back. He called me to ask me where I was at, you know, he said, oh, man, you said you, you want to learn this is what we're covering today. And then when I launched my podcast, he was the first person to comment on it and, and, you know, give me a great review and, and offered to introduce me to, to, you know, any headline guys. So I'll let him know. That's important because it's, I think he believes in the mission. I mean, really we're selling education, right? But it's not just the education. It's not just the training videos. It's the community. And part of when people set goals, they don't think of the environment that they're in and they don't think of the identity that they want to become. So I think at Jake and Gino, our identity is really multifamily. And it's really identifying. If you look at our community, there's a lot of families. There's a lot of moms and a lot of dads who want to do this. And there's a lot of young people who want to do it also. And that's, we're not the Lamborghini driving guys in the mansions. That's not my persona. And that's not who I want to attract, right? It's important. I want to attract people who really are at, I don't want to say crossroads, but are looking for something more, looking to get control, looking to create some kind of passive income, looking to create some kind of lifestyle from a business. And multifamily, everybody out there, is a business. You have to treat it as a business. When you're starting out, you know, Sterling, for me, if I had known all the business principles that go into creating a multifamily business, there's so many, there are so many out there and I wish I had known that. So for anybody thinking that somebody's out of your league, you can always learn from that person who you think is out of their league. Don't ever think that because it takes time and it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, just because you find somebody and they've got 10,000 units, that person's been through a lot of trials and tribulations over the years. And there's always something you can learn from that person. Yeah. And, and just another shout out to you guys. When I signed up for that program and I, I was asking questions about it on Bigger Pockets, both you and Jake reached out to me personally to answer my questions. So oh. that was that was really impressive as well. So the you know, the next question we have is to kind of just tell us a little bit about your background, how you got interested. We know you you owned a restaurant and then how you got interested from the restaurant business in real estate, and then tell us about your, you know, your first deal and kind of how all that went. Sure. So, you know, back in 2008, the Great Recession comes. I'm doing well. My father just passed away from, from you know, he had cancer. So in 2007, he passes away. I had worked with him my whole life, right, basically. The Great Recession changes everything. And it's, it's continuing to feel the ripple effect. I mean, once construction slows down, the restaurants slow down and there's more competition. Grubhub, Uber Eats, People's habits on eating is constant. was completely changing back then, and we were making less money. So I said to myself, "I've got a big family. I need to create some kind of passive income. I don't want to fix and flip homes. I don't want to have capital gains and buy a house and then do one next year. I already have a job." So I had focused on really on multifamily, and I liked it. But back up in New York, even back then, there weren't that many deals. So I needed to get coached. You know, I needed to learn the space because I had bought a couple of deals prior to 2008. I bought a mobile home park and a strip center, and I did bad in both of them because I didn't have the education. Education times action equals results. I was taking massive action, and I was not educated on the space. So I went out, and I got coached, and I spent a lot of money in my coaching. Met Jake in 2009. He was a good friend of my brother's, and he was a pharmaceutical rep doing caterings out of my restaurant. So I cultivated the relationship. I had stayed in touch with Jake for the next year, year and a half. And, you know, I was just disgruntled. I just didn't like being there because I really wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to build a business. I wanted to hire the Joshes of the world, but I wasn't there. You know, you attract what you are, not what you want. And I was attracting crappy employees because I was a crappy boss. And it was frustrating to me. I didn't, I didn't understand it. So fortunately for me, 2011, Jake moves down to Tennessee and, and he's like, let's stay in touch. If we find a deal, 
Let's invest together. Jake knew nothing about investing. He was a W-2. He was not the typical entrepreneur. I knew how to run numbers. I knew how to underwrite. So I had the value there. And Jake had the value of being in the market and willing to do whatever it took because he was a really, you know, really excellent pharmaceutical rep. He would to do his orders. He would be on time. He'd map out his week. Not the typical employee, right? So we took about 18 months, believe it or not, to find that first deal. It wasn't, it wasn't easy. Even back then, you know, in a market, you either have money or you have a deal. It's very rare that you have a market where there's a lot of deals and a lot of money. So right. when we back then, we didn't have the credibility like everybody else. We're buying in Knoxville, Tennessee, these two Italian guys who've never done it before. It took us 18 months to find our first deal. And we found that, believe it or not, it was a loop net deal. It was on the market for two years and we had a good broker relationship. We found it. We had 10% owner financing on that first deal. So back then, five, six years ago, owner financing was still pretty prevalent. It's going to come back. It's not as, as easy to get it in this type of a cycle, but it will come back like it always does. And we were able to, to, to buy that property. Uh, we partnered up with my brother. So it was me and my brother, Jake. How much did y'all put down? Sure. The property was $600,000. We put down 10% and the owners financed 10%. And the reason why they did that was because the bank had the mortgage. So the bank knew that this property was doing really well. It was older. It was deferred maintenance. It was a mom and pop. We buy mom and pops of every size, whether it's a 300 unit mom and pop or a 25 unit mom and pop like this. Basically a mom and pop is just a property that has deferred maintenance. The landlords or the owners are typically burned out. They have no systems. They had no application process. They had no website. They were not charging any kind of fees. There was a poorly managed property. They were paying like a $7,000 a year cable bill. Their garbage bill was incredible. They were just not managing this property properly. They were burned out. They wanted to retire. So that's where the value is. When you're looking at any business venture, you need to see where the value is in the property and how you're solving the other side's problem. So for us, we ended up coming up with $83,000 down total with closing costs and everything. And we secured a 25-unit property. So it was it was off to the races. And they were weekly tenants. So the weekly, the weekly tenant space was not... I wouldn't buy this property now, but for our first property, <laughs> it was freaking awesome. And I loved it. And for anybody out there who knows Jay DeSema, Fixer Jay, I was reading his stuff back then. So it was like getting into money, getting into deals with a little bit of money and trying able to do this refine roll scenario that we had where we really pump up that, the MMI. Th- that's what I love about about your your the way you guys executed. You, you never sell anything. Now, are you still are you still doing it that way with the syndications? Well, that's a good, that's a great question. I mean, syndication is a tool in the toolbox. I don't want to say I'm never selling these first thousand units. We've refied them out. We have no money in these deals. So, and we're going to hold them long-term because we've got long-term fixed rate financing. They're not over levered. There's 75 to 80% LTVs on these things. They're cash flowing really well. So there's no reason to sell them. Now syndication, as you slide over, it's sort of a different model because investors might want their money back. Now, right. there's one of two ways to do that. You either sell the property in three, four, five, six years, or you refi and give them their money back and you keep them in the deal. This first deal we bought back in November, I, I'll, Sterling, I'll give you the numbers on this one. We bought it for $6 million. We raised $2.6 million in this deal in November of 2018. The income on it was $65,000 per month. Now the income is a little over 85000 a month. So in, we've really exploded the NOI on this thing. This is a deal that if me, Jake, and my partner, Mike, had bought ourselves, we would probably refinance this property, pull the money out tax-free, and repurpose that money somewhere else. But since we have investors, we don't want to put a supplemental loan on this thing. It's probably better to be able to sell this thing. It's worth over $9 million right now, we're estimating. So we'll be able to make $3 million on a $6 million deal in 14 months. 
That's an amazing IRR. So what do you do with that? Do you let it sit there and it's still cash flowing really great or do you sell it out to your, we want to do a full cycle deal, which is we basically want to show our investors going forward that we've completed a deal from start to finish. So that might be one of the motivations, but better yet, there's so much equity in this thing that we want to give that money back to our investors and hopefully go find another deal and actually buy another deal and then collect some acquisition fees and get a stronger asset, roll up that money into a different deal. So for us, it's really, let me give you another example. What we call the three pillars of real estate and everyone needs to write this down. It's really about the market cycle. It's about the debt and it's about the exit strategy. Where are you buying these assets in the market cycle depends upon, can you refine roll? Can you hold long-term? And it really depends upon the type of debt and what your exit strategy is. For us, we were flexible. We could hold this thing for five to seven years or 10 years and do really well, or we can sell within 18 months because we got the right debt on it. We got something called a prepayment penalty where it's a step down instead of yield maintenance. So if you get yield maintenance, you're gonna, you can still sell it. You'll get a really big prepayment penalty, but you can still make a lot of money doing that. So we kept ourselves flexible. So those three pillars, market cycle, debt, and exit strategy really will tell you, you know, if it's a good deal and you know, what kind of deals you should be buying in the market right now. So can you break that down for maybe our, our listeners that, that aren't as experienced? Sure. In, the refi and roll process. Can you kind of walk us through your, your business plan cycle with each property? Sure. So I'll do, I'll do the very first one. The very first one we bought it, it was, like I said, it was $600,000. It was about $24,000, $25,000 per unit. That thing was doing about twelve dollars or $13,000 a month. What you want to do when you want, you're going into the refi and roll you're trying to secure debt and hopefully you can get community debt, community bank financing, because those are the ones where the less onerous, where you can actually refi out of that and go into agency. That, that's what we were doing back then. So problem with community debt at the time, we had gone on our first deal crappy terms. We only got a 20-year amortization. We had like a 6% interest rate on it, about five and a half. And we had gotten a five-year term. So after five years, this was going to go, it, it, was, it wasn't going to balloon, but it was just going to actually go off and it was actually going to, it wasn't just the rate. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's, that's how it basically is. So I tell our students, nowadays, community banks, they're, a lot of them want to stick with a 20-year AM. I like the 25-year AM because it pushes it out. You can cash a little more. So when we refinanced this property, 18 months later, we had gotten the income up and we had gotten the expenses down. We went out, we got it appraised, and we were able to get like an appraisal for a little over $800,000. And we were able to refi it out and we got amazing terms because we went with another community bank. See the first bank, we just said, you know what, give us whatever you want. We're getting 10% down and we're gonna refi this thing. That was my thought. Jake didn't even know what refi meant. So you have to always look at it this way. If you're willing to pay a little bit more on the front end, but you know what, you're, you're saving 10%, you're putting 60, saving 60 grand in your pocket, it's okay to do that. So on the refi, we were able to refi it at 4.29% rate we were able to get a 25-year amortization and we were able to pull out like $160,000 of refi money, cash out refi. And the amazing thing about that is that our payment really didn't go anywhere. It stayed the same. Because you stretched out the AM and you lowered the interest rate. I mean, a lot. And, you saw, and the great thing about it is when you look at it, you're like, dude, that's amazing. So I've got more debt on this property. I've stretched it out. I've gotten a longer term on this thing right now. And it's locked for, I think this one's locked for seven years and it's great. I mean, you, that's what you want to do. You've taken, you've taken the interest rate risk off. You've locked it in for a while and you've got all that money out. So we put in 80, 83, we pulled out 165. 
So bam, we've got double what we put in. And that's what you, instead of going on vacation with that money, you have to be diligent. You have to say to yourself, the law of Parkinson's says that people, when they earn more money, they tend to spend more money. You don't want to do that. When you get those big checks, you want to pretend they're disappeared and you want to repurpose that money into another deal. So if you went out and you made $165,000 at your job, you wouldn't keep 165. You'd probably keep a hundred. But when you refi 165 grand, that's not tax-free, but at the point you're not paying taxes, you're going to pay taxes when you catch up, when you sell the property, you probably paid on it. But when you get that money, all 165, you put that money aside and you go out and you buy yourself another deal with that money. Awesome. And that's what you did. You just took the money yes. and you went into the next thing. You just repeated the process over and over again. We've been able to do that for our first thousand units. We've been able to refi over the last five years or $9 million on our portfolio because we caught it right. We bought these assets right. We did the refi and roll. We were able to manage the three-step framework, buy right, manage right, and finance right. Because managing these assets really means a lot. You, you have to really spend the time to manage these assets. If you're not doing it, you need to have a qualified third-party property management and you need to manage the manager if you're not doing it yourself. So we're able to just repurpose that money and continue to buy assets with those refi proceeds. How did you decide to manage? I get, well, I'll use that as a, a sub question to my next broader question. So my next broader question is how did you scale? Not necessarily how did you, how did you buy more properties? Cause we, we got the process that you can just repeat over and over again to buy more properties, but how did you scale into all these other areas, this multifaceted operation? how did you go from buying apartments and refining and enroll into starting a property management company to starting an education company? to starting, what is it, are you up to four podcasts now and mm -hmm. writing books? So, so kind of what started you to, to branch out into all of those other areas? I think just by mistake, to be completely honest with you, I can give you the progression of how it happened. And I think everyone who reads The Honeybee, they'll understand it's not that complicated. It just has to be a symbiotic relationship. I'm not opening up car washes. Right. I'm not opening up, you know, pizzerias or franchises. I'm opening vertically integrating. Yeah. I mean, I can open up a carpet cleaning company and then that would really focus and help my multifamily. Right. So for us, Jake wanted to property manage. So his first 25 unit property, he was making about 1200, 1300 bucks a month in property management fees because it was 10%. If we needed a management company, he wanted to do it. That's how he got out of his job day one a lot quicker. It took him from that first property, it took him about 18 months after he bought that first property because we bought three properties within the first year of buying our first one. He was able to generate a lot of property management fees. So we started property management. That was our first leg. The next leg was probably February of 2014-ish, we just said, you know what, let's start a podcast. Let's write a book. And, and what I think people should really take from that is you want to you learn, you want to do it, and then you want to teach it. Because once you start teaching something, you learn so much more. Writing a book, you know, consuming so many other people's concepts. I didn't want to really monetize it in the beginning. I said, Jake, this will be a lot of fun. Let's see if we can start some training videos. Let's start some YouTube. Let's get on Kajabi and our online platform. Let's do some videos there. Let's write a book. Let's start doing blogs. And that's how the education started. And the great thing about it was we've met a lot of our vendors through the, through the podcast. We've learned so many. I mean, how many times can you really speak to somebody like a Robert Kiyosaki or a T. Harv Eker? Or, or, a, or a Gino Barbara. I'm not there yet. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Spending an hour with that person every week for the last four years really helps you scale, really helps you think. Sure. So from the education, we decided... At one point, about two years ago, we have about 600 people on an investor database. I can't call these people. Jake can't call these people because he's doing day-to-day -day on the property management. I'm doing day-to-day -day on the education. Let's get somebody, our current partner, Dylan Marma, to create this syndication company, Ram Partners, to start syndicating deals. 
And Dylan, day one, started calling all his investors up, started creating those relationships with them and started, it's a totally different business syndication from buying your own deals because you have to do a lot of reporting. You have to have the you know, syndication attorney. You have these investors going on. You have to do webinars and all that. And it's a lot of work, but we've decided we have the investors. Let's try it. It's just another, I guess, what's it called? There's another stream of revenue going on there. So from the syndication company, we decided our students need to do mortgages. So let's start Rain Capital. We started Rain Capital about a year ago. And for us, it's been amazing because just the education that our team members at Rand Cap do, they're talking about what's going on in the debt market all the time. Is Freddie lending? What's going on with Fannie? CMBS is great. There's private lenders out there. So it's been an amazing experience for us. So the I guess the one component is, like I said to you before, Sterling, they're all symbiotic. They all work together. If I have an education student, I'm teaching him, well, maybe he might want to invest in one of our deals. So he's learning while he's earning, right? If you have the property management, they need some type of help with one of their processes. Well, Rand Partners, and you're sharing platforms. So all the platforms, one of them uses GoToWebinar, and we're doing coaching between them all. So it really works really well, all of them together. Now, that might be hard for somebody to be thinking in the beginning, I only want to get into this, but there's so many different ways to get into this. And the other part is the pie is so big that you can bring on partners and share it and continue to grow it. And then ultimately, if you like to raise capital, maybe you do the partners. If you like to do day-to-day operations, maybe you become the property manager. If you like to be the face of the company and be out there, maybe you do some part of the education. And so it really lends itself to what your strengths are also. Awesome. So next question is, can you tell us about your highlight and your low light? So basically your best deal, the biggest home run knock out of the park you had, and then maybe something that went wrong, a deal that didn't go as good as planned. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think one of our best deals, everyone's going to always say their first deal and it, it was, but I think our fourth or fifth deal, we did this 281 unit deal. It was no money down. It was an $11 million deal. The owners carried a 20% note. So basically we walked away at closing with $140,000. The title company was like, never saw that before. I mean, I never <laughs> did either, but it's just one of those things where you learn and you rinse and repeat and you have your credibility book and you have all your, your, your systems down and you're working with a great bank and you're working with a motivated seller. All those things fell into place and we were able to buy that thing for you know $11 million. We've refined that thing out two times already. So, and it's still cash flowing amazingly. So that was probably one of our best deals ever. One of the worst deals for me, I mean, recently, I think everyone out there has to stay in their own lane. I got involved with a couple of partners down here in Florida. We wanted to build vacation rentals and it would have been a great business if my partners were great. I veered out of my lane. I lost 30, 40 grand. So it's a great lesson and it's really a great lesson about partners, really value-based decision-making. Worry about who you're partnering with. Now, if these guys were great and they knew what they were doing, it would have been a great model because we're building these houses. We're building them below cost, which... They weren't built below cost, but if they were, it would have been okay because we could have refied our money out. We could have had the asset with no money down. They said they were going to property manage these vacation rentals. It's in a great market too, but didn't work that way. So just be careful who you partner with, that you have the same value-based decision-making, like I said, and the same goals long-term. These guys just, they changed the goalposts as we're, as we're doing the deal. Well, you know what? I think we're going to sell these now. You know what? Let's just change out. And it was, it was a good learning lesson for me. I'm like, you know what? I've got to stay in my lane. And for you to get into a new lane, before you get into that lane, make sure you really learn the space and make sure you're aligning yourself with the right people. Got it. So what advice do you have for anybody out there that's either just getting started in real estate, thinking about getting invested in real estate, or, or I always say this is a two-part question. What advice do you have for the guy who's stuck in the W-2 job, thinking about making the jump? And then what advice do you have for the guy who's 50 units in 
to, you know, duplexes or single family houses and thinking about making the jump into multifamily. I think everyone needs to start out with life coaching, really get a life coach, spend a few hundred bucks, thousand bucks with the life coach and talk about what you want. You know, why do you want to get into real estate? First of all, and then if you have 50 units, why do you want to scale? Do you want to scale just to grow? That's not a reason to scale. I mean, you really have to be clear on your why because you're going to get punched in the gut. You're going to have those nights where you're like, damn, is this, is this really worth it? And if it's not worth it or you're not really clear on your why, you're going to quit. That's the first thing. So really get clear on your goals and clear on what you want for your life. For me, it was easy because I just wanted to get away from the restaurant. I had the pain from there. I just was stuck there. I didn't see a future in that. And fortunately, I did the right thing because New York is collapsing. Minimum wage is 15 bucks an hour for an employee working a minimal, I mean, really, seriously, 15 bucks an hour to sweep the floors, but that's what's going on. So I, I knew the future was going on. You know, so for me, my why was clear. It was my family and I wanted to build a business. So anybody out there starting, really forget focus on your why. Get focused on, you know, why you're doing this. And then real estate is a great vehicle. I think the next step is we all need education. We go to college for four years, we get a hundred grand in student debt, and then we have no skill. Don't be afraid to invest in your education with people who have done it, people who you admire, people who you go into a deal with and learn from them. There's so many educators out there, so many people teaching this stuff. Don't be afraid to invest in the education because that's what helped me out. Because when Jake came coming around three years after I finished my coaching, I knew how to own the right deals. I knew how to select markets. I had value for Jake. I couldn't partner with Jake if, if I didn't give him value. And the same thing with Jake. So don't be afraid to go on there. And the other thing is stay in your lane. If you're going to choose fix and flipping, single families, stay in that and get really good at it. If you're going to choose multifamily, stay in that and get really good at it. And there's so many different aspects of multifamily, but get good at the lane and, and choose it and just continue to educate yourself. Awesome. So what's next for you? Uh, I've got a call at one o'clock today. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, it's the new year. I, I you know, it's funny because I don't want to set any goals anymore because I'm really happy with what I'm doing. I love working with the education. I love helping students. I love putting connections. I just got off a call with a student about an hour ago and he's been doing it for years. And the, the amazing thing is that we don't know what we don't know. I mean, it's amazing what, what, how much money you lose by not knowing something like cost segregation or by not knowing about syndication. I only learned about syndication a couple of years ago. I had known about it, but I said, you know what? It's not for me. Well, don't make those assumptions. You really learn it. And for me, going forward, just want to continue to, to grow the Jake and Gino brand. I don't mind doing one or two deals a year if they're really fantastic deals because the buy right for us is really is tough right now because there's a lot of people out there with a lot of money looking at lower cap rates and don't mind overpaying. They have 1031 money, whatever. For us, that's not our model. We don't have to buy. And I'm just, I always tell people, no deal is better than a bad deal. And I know that from personal experience. And just be patient because it takes a while to get your first deal and it might take a while to get your second deal. But if we start pushing and we start tricking ourselves into saying, hey, this deal is going to work. I think it's going to work. No, it's really about the numbers and it's really about being diligent and being willing to walk away if the deal doesn't work. Awesome. So next we just have our radio round. We just have three quick questions to kind of help our, our listeners get to know you a little bit better. The first one is what's your favorite book? Oh, wow. So many favorite books. I like Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich for people Love starting it. out. I think it's a great book. I mean, I like, I've been reading a lot of sales books. So I like Robert Cialdini, his influence, his persuasion. I mean, there's just so many books out there. There's a lot of good real estate books. I think, I think Dave Lindahl has a couple of really good real estate books out there. 
who else would I recommend as far as real estate? Ken McElroy has some amazing books. So, you know, ABC's, ABC's real estate is great. Yeah. I mean, the property management book he's got out there, they're great beginning books. They're excellent, but they're just scratching the surface. Those are just books to get your mind into, okay, I got the concepts now, but I need to dive deeper. So that's why they're really good books. A lot of the Rich Dad books are great. He tells you why, a lot of the whys, but he doesn't tell you how, but that's okay because sometimes we need to know why, why, why. So I think his, his series are great, but I mean, there's so many great books out there. I always say with, with podcasts or, or audiobooks or whatever I'm educating myself with, there's, there's two different things I'm looking for. And I'm looking for them both and I'm looking for them both at different times. It's, it's education, technical education, and it's mm-hmm. inspiration. Yes. You know, sometimes I just, I'm, I'm looking for that inspiration. I'm looking to get fired up. I'm looking mm-hmm. to overcome all the voices in my head and all the, you know, grit of the daily grind. Mm-hmm. And then other times I'm already fired up. I just want to learn something. Mm-hmm. So I think if you can fall into either of those categories or both is great. There's, there's places for both of them. You got People have to start listening to Zig Ziglar, Jim Rome, Absolutely. Tony Robbins, all those motivational guys. I mean, you know, Norman Vincent Peale. I, I, like I said, I can name off dozens because I've read dozens because you need to have that positive message. You don't need to be hearing about, about impeachment right now. You don't need to be hearing about China right, right now because you can't do anything about that. It's all a show. It's all to distract us and it's all to lower our energy. And you know what? When you hear that crap are you willing to listen to and call a broker or underwrite a deal or go walk a property you're probably not but if you're listening to zig ziglar and saying you know what i was a young man in, in the middle of nowhere and i can do it and you're thinking if that guy can do it then i can do it so that's why it's important to be careful what you're putting into your mind it's just like what you're putting Absolutely. into your mouth fuel 100%. and fuel in both parts so you have to be really careful with that 100 100 what's your favorite quote oh wow profit is the fuel. It's not the destination. That's one of them. Let me see. Success is not, I was, I was, I was doing one with success. Like I guess success is not a priority. It's, I forgot what it was, but it's something about success where for me, success, I always thought I had to be like achieving and stuff. Success is, I think, the way you feel, right? You're hitting your goal, your achievement is what you've done. So let's, let's reintroduce what success is to ourselves. And it's really how you feel about yourself every day. And you can't yeah. change that. Only you have the ability to do that. So it's important to do that. I also, like I mentioned before, you know, you attract what you are, not what you want. It's really important to look at that. So if you're attracting Absolutely. duplexes, that's where your level of skill is. All of a sudden, you start attracting 30 and 40 units. That's where your level of skill is. You start attracting those deals and those people that are selling you those deals. And it comes especially with employees. If you hear people complaining about employees and I can't find the right person and then, well, look within because maybe you're attracting that type of employee. So, you know, watch out. (laughs) Excellent answer. What's your favorite thing to do outside of work? That's a good question. I I live right near the beach now. So I like, I like to go to the beach. I, I love it down here in Florida. I moved from New York to Florida about two and a half years ago. And I just love to hang out with my kids. I'm always doing something with them. So those are my two things. I don't you have, have any You got plenty of them to hang out with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fish. If I go fishing, I like fishing. Just hanging out. I, you know, I'm on vacation, it feels like, every day. So just being around my family is, is what I love to do. Awesome. So where can our listeners find you? Real easy. Go to jakeandgina.com. We have a couple books in there. We have The Honeybee that's on Amazon. We have it on our website also. Just go on our podcast. We have our, all four of our podcasts on the website. And if you want to reach out to me, my email is gino at jakeandgino.com. Awesome. Well, Gino, I really enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for joining us. I know our listeners are going to love it too. And I look forward to hearing from you again soon. Sterling, thanks for having me on. And everybody, have a happy new year. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at RentRollRadio.com or sterling at CrestworthCapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.